Welcome to the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. My name is Steve Wopolinik. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and one of the founders of the Promethean Project. Our guests are people who have broke the chains of their limitations and found the strength of their potential. We offer their stories as inspiration and as guidance to help others navigate their quest to find their flame. Welcome back. So before we get started with this week's episode, let me just point out a flaw that happened in last uh, episode. I spoke about it being episode 24, but it was actually episode 23. So apologies out there for you who have caught that. Um, Sometimes we make mistakes and this is just part of it, but you are listening to episode 24. It's called The Importance of Transparency. And it features one of my good friends from high school, Perel O'Hearn. This was a really fun podcast to do. It's actually the longest podcast that we've done, close to an hour and a half long. And I think it's because Perry and I have similar backgrounds in the sense of having a passion for working with people and helping people make a change in their life. Now, we do get a little dorky in here. We talk a lot about Dragon Ball Z and we relate some of that to our past history as wrestlers together on the wrestling team. Uh, but Perry's pretty open and, and really talks about his journey into what he's doing. He's currently in a van with his wife, traveling across the country while working with people online to help them make changes in their life and still running his own gym, which is in Philly. It's called Philly Fitness. You'll hear us talk a little bit about that. And we get into depth about how to honor your gifts, how to admit when something doesn't feel right and not just chase money, but also chase your passions. And we also talk a little bit about how to make those changes. Perry has made several changes in his life. And most recently he talks about traveling to South America and partaking in ayahuasca. Um, We're thinking about having him back for another podcast to talk about that journey. He briefly talks about it on here, but it's a really fun episode. And I think you guys will get a lot of enjoyment out of it. So I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to let Perry kind of do the talking for us and sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. In a world where humanity's potential is imprisoned and locked away, our only hope is to break the chains and find our flame. I just use the audio. Oh, okay, cool. I was going to ask, like, what angle you want the camera at. Um, like, right up your okay. nose is the best angle, I feel like. Cool. Let's see if I can get a double double chin. Um, how you been, dude? Good, man. How are you doing? Good. I mean, things are crazy, so you can see we're inside the van right now. Oh, uh, yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, so, you know, we've just been, like, trying to get used to this, right? Yeah. Like, it's... You know, it's funny, you like get rid of everything thinking it's going to like minimize your problems. And then you realize like problems still find you and they're just sometimes bigger because you have so little to spare, you know? Yeah. 
So they manifest but, into to different things or they carry on in different ways. Yeah, exactly. And it's like you almost put more it's funny, like we got rid of all of our shit thinking like, oh, this is great. Like we're not we don't need that stuff. We're not obsessed about it anymore. But then you get so attached to the couple things that you do have when something goes wrong, it's like heartbreaking. Right. It, it, but, it, it kind of, you know, you de- detach from certain things, but then the things you are attached to are, are just like super saiyan strength level. And then that yeah. goes wrong. And then you're just I love shit that. out just of luck. Dragon Ball Z reference. I love that. I had, a, I had a kid in, in here I was counseling and we talked all about uh, the mangas and, and, you know, the different levels of Super Saiyan today. So it was, it was pretty cool. I figured that's awesome. into the conversation. That's awesome. My uh, I just like started getting back into it like two years ago, watching like, you know, Dragon Ball Super and then the, you know, the, the Battle of the Gods and all that. And super amped up. My wife doesn't know why I watch that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, your wife and my wife, kind of yeah, the same thing. Yeah. Although I, I had to see the the highlights of the Battle of the Gods. I, I couldn't quite find it anywhere. So, uh, oh, it's um, I have to I'll have to tag you. I found this great Instagram account. Um, and it, it's it's probably still just the highlights, but he just like on his Instagram TV, he just edits all of this stuff and just puts it there, and you can just watch it. Um, which is pretty awesome because you know how that stuff goes like there'll be 30 minutes of charging up and then like a four minute fight scene you're like i'm I'm down for just the four minute fight scene (laughs) i I don't need the constant you know uh cutbacks back and forth about who you know what's happening yeah and they they start the fight at the end of the episode and you always have to wait until the next episode yeah to see the next two minutes of the fight and then the episode exactly that and Dude, they know how they know how to drag it out, you know. <laughs> and it, it, you know, it worked on us quite quite a bit. Yeah, dude, I started watching that. I remember I used to get so mad because I would always get like a half an hour TV before I had to go to Hebrew school, and I would be so frustrated because I'd be like, "Oh, I get this! Like they're gonna beat Cell today. I'm gonna I'm gonna see that." And then nothing would happen. It would just be like, "Oh." they got punched and now he's charging up and I'm like, damn it. I have to wait another week, <laughs> but it works. Yeah. I'm, I'm still hooked. Did it, do you feel like that affected your mood going into Hebrew school? Like, oh, I mean, I, I already that. hated Hebrew school. So <laughs> I mean, it didn't make it any worse. Yeah. That's great. I, I love reliving those kind of things. Cause I remember, you know, in high school, I always tried to find a way to, not do a presentation and and turn it into a, a an action figure movie as my yeah. assignment and my go-tos were trunks and goku and piccolo and then a slew of x-men and spider-man characters when did you graduate cuz you you were a senior when i was a freshman no um i think you were a sophomore when i was a senior i, I graduated 2001 so I graduated graduated oh four. So one two, yeah. So I think you were a senior when I was a freshman, right? How does that? Because that means the next year was two, the next year was three, the next year was four. Oh yeah, you were you were. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so you were you were four years ahead of me. That's crazy. One of my fondest memories of you was, I think, uh-huh. the, obviously wrestling, right? Yeah. Like wrestling was always um, a memory we had. Uh, <laughs> so many wrestling memories. But I think we were at a party one time, and we had just signed the contract for Spoon, um, just saying that we wouldn't imbibe in anything or or anything like that and obviously we're at a party i was never much of a drinker or anything but i remember there was a couple people there who were on the wrestling team and we had just signed it that week and they were like yeah (laughs) i signed it but i don't care (laughs) it's just i wonder what he's up to nowadays i've thought about this a lot um because the last time i saw him was a couple years into college, I, I actually did see him uh, mm. at the town beach and I'm not sure what he was up to, but I remember, you know, teaspoon being around his yeah. son that we called teaspoon and, you know, his wife was always doing the, the taping and stuff for us. And yeah. You know. Yeah. He was a good dude. Like he was like, he actually cared and like tried to like, not only just like, make us better people but like also like his training was good right as opposed to just being like like my football coach was just like destroy your body like i don't really care what happens to you in 10 years but like spoon was like oh this is how you have like longevity and move well and not just like kill yourself yeah i i actually i think at the time you you know he was he's a solid dude in the sense that he really had his priorities straight and, and he really was invested in, in really teaching us the material. I had him for the last two years of my four years wrestling there. The first two I had Mr. Shaw. And <laughs> I forgot about him. Night and day oh difference in, in training. You know, Mr. Shaw was a really good wrestler, but he really didn't know how to teach that to other people. Dude, I had him for AP Calc, and same thing. He was a really probably good at math, but he did not know how to teach us. Yeah, and, and Spoon, you know, he was just there. Like, you can tell it wasn't just something he had to do. He really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, I, I really took a lot from from him and just how to be a, a pretty solid dude and, and be there for, for other people. Yeah, 100%. All right, so... Our guest today is Perello Hearn. Welcome, my friend. It's been a while since we've talked. It's been a long while since we've talked. So I'm going to let, um, we'll call him Perry for short. I'm going to let Perry give you a little introduction about who he is, and then we'll talk a little bit about how we know each other, and then just see where the conversation goes. It's always tough. Like, who am I? I was just talking with my wife. It's such a deep question. Um, but I guess to kind of give like the 30,000 foot view, you know, I, um, I'm an ex engineer and decided to kind of early on follow my passion versus the the, kind of the easier path that was kind of laid out for me. So I started to pursue fitness, you know, and health and became a personal trainer that led me to eventually opening up my own personal training studio that I've had open now for about seven years. Um, and luckily I've gotten it to a place that it's running itself and I can kind of manage it from a road. And my wife and I are currently traveling the country in a converted sprinter van. Um, and we're currently in South Texas and soon to be in 
California, just trying to chase the sun and stay away from the winter. My wife's from South Africa, so she wants nothing to do with cold, <laughs> cold anymore. <laughs> it's been a it's been a poor winter up here. It's been in the forties yeah. a lot of the time. You know what? It's 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 been a poor winter everywhere because, like, I mean, we were in when we were just trying to figure out where we could go where it wouldn't go below freezing at night. I mean, we basically had to go to South, South Texas and we're, we're basically on the same latitude as Baja Mexico right now. Right. But it's Texas is just ginormous. So you can do that, but yeah, it's still pretty, pretty nasty. I mean, the nights have gotten, you know, into the high forties still, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, that this would be a whole other podcast. We could, we could get into environmental <laughs> stuff. Uh, so, so yeah. Gary and I know each other from high school. We went to the old BHS, Belchertown High School, for mm-hmm. those of you out there that know it. And we were on the wrestling team. And we did some quick math earlier uh, as we were setting up for the podcast and, and realized I was a senior when Perry was a freshman. Um, yeah. We had to count back a lot to, to figure <laughs> figure that out. Um, and so I thought, you know, I followed Perry through that journey from leaving, being an engineer to opening up his own studio and and doing some personal training and even follow, um, the social media account you have for traveling with your wife in the van. Uh, always some cool updates in that. Some really cool footage of you guys doing yoga under the stars, which is just awe inspiring, awe inspiring. Um, and so I really wanted to have you on the podcast because I think on so many levels, right, on the training tip, on the passion tip, on traveling and living in a small van with your significant (laughs) other to more recent kind of journeys um, and then through your own history and and processing, you know, know, some of your early childhood stuff and, and then, you know, applying that to your life later in your life. You just have so much knowledge and so much to share. So I wanted to get you on here and, and help spread that message. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, um, it's been a crazy journey, you know, and I, I think sometimes I, I forget about all the things that have led me to like exactly where I am right now, you know, and it, I think it's, I think it's nice and therapeutic in a way in itself just to have a chance to unpack it, you know, cause it's so easy to just, get caught up in life and just go, 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 go. And you forget to be, you know, aware and thankful for like, Oh man, some of that chaos sucked in the moment, but now I'm so happy it happened. And, and to be able to have actually pulled some lessons and, and just learned from it, you know, whether it was good or bad or uh, don't put any kind of label on it. It's, it's really interesting. And sometimes I forget that it, to me, it's normal. Right. Everything that I've gone through has been my life and my normal experience. And I forget sometimes until I share it that it's either not normal, you know, quote unquote, um, or it's just not normal to share it. And just in, in, in sharing it with people, they're relieved because there's other people that have had a similar experiences. So I find I enjoy I enjoy sharing it. So I really appreciate the opportunity that you've given me. I think that it's so pertinent to. Um, in my line of work, working with people who feel really isolated about what they go through, it's almost, it's almost a giddy experience when they find out other people have kind of gone through some of the same things. And, 
not in a, a negative way, but I've had, you know, adolescents just smile talking about their own trauma and realizing that other people have also kind of experienced this. And again, not to be like, yay, other people trauma, right? <laughs> yeah. But to be, have it be seen in a way like, oh, okay, I'm not this alien. I'm not this isolated creature. This is something that other people understand and I can find a connection and a community in it. Yeah. You know, I'm sure we'll, we'll go back to this, but you know, one thing we were talking before we started recording was, you know, my experience of going to Peru and doing, um, you know, ayahuasca and having some, some experience with that. But part of, you know, it was a six day experience at the center that we were at, but one of the days we did not do any plant medicine and we, we did a sharing circle. And it, it's like something you would have kids do, right? You Someone had a talking stick or a sharing stick and they were allowed to share and nobody else was. And we kind of just passed it around as people wanted it. And at first, you know, I thought, oh, this is such a stupid thing. Like I'm a, I'm a grown up and I just flew all the way to South America to have a sharing stick, right? But it, it was massively moving. And one of the biggest takeaways was like, man, everyone here is feel so isolated and weak and embarrassed by their baggage. But like, as we went around and started sharing, it was almost like a level, like a level up syndrome was happening and not in a bad way where like your friend wants to one up you. It was in a way of like, wow, look how vulnerable you were. That makes me so much more comfortable with my experience. And they would share theirs and people just were kept breaking through these walls. And by the end, I mean, I've never felt so connected to a group before because it was just, it was inspiring to hear so many people's, their, you know, in their mind, they're sharing their defeats. But I heard it as their victories because they overcame it eventually, right? Yeah. Or they're at least in the process of doing it. And so, yeah, just the, the, the power of being transparent is, is, it's so underrated. Yeah. And it just, I, I just think it really allows, you know, we all live like in a normal society, you know, you have to put on this face of everything's okay and I'm doing okay. And I think it makes everyone feel really isolated because then everyone around you seems like they're okay and they have nothing going on. When in reality, we all have a ton of baggage. Um, and so like doing this simple sharing circle was such a powerful experience because I got to see, you know, two dozen other people who all have crazy stories and some were so traumatic and, and chaotic to deal with as adults and as kids. And, you know, some were just traumatic, you know, to them that, but I could, I could really relate to it and just seeing everybody come through out on the other side, but just knowing, look, everybody's had something and we, we all carry that with us and, it really brought the entire group together and it actually led to really more powerful, you know, ceremonies later, later in the week, because I think we all felt a deeper connection with one another. And I, I think that's something that I really wish society as a whole, especially with social media would do more of. It's just be more transparent and not in a way where you're just complaining about life, but being able to look at it objectively and then share it and say, this is what I'm going through. This is what I think I learned from that. And then other people really uh, can form a connection because they can relate to it. You know, I, I just think it would bring everyone closer together. Yeah. And I think there, you know, first of all, that's an awesome experience and thank you for sharing it. 
And I think, you know, the talking stick is, is such an interesting concept when you when you think about it. Um, and the ability to to not think about what your next sentence is going to be and actually have to wait to talk until you get the stick and share. I think, you know, it's a simple device, but I also think it frees our minds up to not feel like we have to interject or uh, what am I going to say when they say that, or how am I going to respond to that? And you can actually be and listen and it really transforms when you get the talking stick, it transforms your input into the group as well. Yeah, just, yeah. And I think what's nice is when you're sharing, you know, there's not necessarily going to be a response. You know, you're just saying your piece and everyone says, thank you. And then someone else shares theirs. And it's, you don't have to worry about feedback that may be triggering in some way or another. You know, everyone is just literally just sharing. And it was, it was really awesome. You know, I really, I really hope more people can put themselves in a situation. If it, even if it's just a uh, hanging out with friends and, and implementing something like that, where you can just share and be honest and real about whatever's going on that you may want help with, or maybe you don't, and you just want to be able to get it off your chest, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, what you were saying about social media, that's a hard avenue to do that in, because if you are open and you are vulnerable, either you can get some support depending on who's responding to it, or you might be judged for, oh, why are you airing all this stuff? Oh, you just want drama. You just want attention. When in reality, sometimes it really is people just putting it out there to try to connect with people or putting it out there because they have to tell something. Yeah, I remember my first post that I did that was really raw. And it was a year after my dad died. I was about to just go on a date. <clears throat> it was before you know, my wife and I met. And I never, I didn't really cry when my dad died. You know, it didn't, I kind of just, I don't want to say I was happy. I wasn't happy he died, but it was a, it was a, a closure to a really difficult chapter in my life, you know, mm-hmm. my relationship with my father. And he also, you know, he was homeless for 20 years, an alcoholic. So I was also kind of relieved that his pain was gone. And so I wasn't necessarily sad. And for whatever reason, a year later, I, I went out to celebrate my birthday, but he died three days after my birthday. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I just started bawling my eyes out. And I just took a picture of my face crying, a very ugly cry, and just posted basically like, hey, I'm I'm heading out to celebrate my 28th, but my dad died and I'm sad. And, you know, I never, while it's good to have the closure, right? Like I was like, I'll never know what it's like to have Thanksgiving with my dad or enjoy a beer with my dad or, you know, just tell my dad about anything. He won't be at any of my weddings. He won't see my kid, you know, and I just recognized like all that stuff is gone. And I'll, I'll never know what it's like to celebrate a Father's Day or any of that stuff. And I just kind of put it out there. I didn't know what was driving me to do it. I just posted the picture, you know, with the caption. And then I just put my phone away. I went out on my date. And, you know, at that time, not that it matters, but, you know, my posts would get, you know, maybe 20, 30 likes or comments or interactions or whatever. And like two hours later, you know, I just checked my phone real quick and I had like 500 notifications, you know, and it got shared dozens of times, hundreds of comments, dozens of messages, everyone just pouring support. And 
you know, if they didn't know the story, they were blown away. If they did know the story, they were they were so supportive of my bravery, kind of quote unquote, for sharing it. And then I had a bunch of people reach out to me privately about their relationship issues with their dad, you know, and I literally just got a message um, a couple weeks ago. One person that saw that post messaged me because his father kind of abandoned him and didn't approve when he came out of the closet and it had been a decade and he was just wanted to pick my brain apart about like, how do you forgive and how do you kind of reconnect with that? And we just had, you know, uh, I knew each, I was training some of his friends. So we just knew each other through social media. I'd never met him before and we got coffee and we talked a little bit and over the years he started to form a relationship with his dad and he told me his dad just passed away, but you know, he, he really, formed a new relationship with his dad and there was a lot of love you know in the end of the relationship and he was like that never would have happened if we had never connected and the only reason why we ever connected was that post you know and it's just it's a crazy ripple effect that can happen when you're when you're actually transparent you know but like you said it's 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 super scary you know because it makes you vulnerable that's amazing i remember that post because i I think that for me, that was my first, the first really transparent, vulnerable post that I I saw of yours. And and really, I feel like why I make it a point to not stalk you, (laughs) that's too strong of a word, but to, to always be mindful of, oh, what's Perry up to? Um, Because I really enjoyed that. And you've had more posts since and, and really along the same vein and, and your openness and and vulnerability uh, are really something that I admire. And so I appreciate that. I'm not surprised that you had that response from, from that person because it, it is, you, you know, as men, it, it, it's definitely as anyone, but specifically as men, it's, it's very, you know, society's telling us not to be open to not share these things or, you know, stuff it down or, 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 you know, the old way of thinking is pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just toughen up or cowboy up. And mm-hmm. I think you miss so much by doing that. And you can't effectively make a change in your life unless you are vulnerable. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think it also is just exhausting, you know, trying to pretend like things don't bother you. And, you know, this is kind of what led me to you know, again, to do this ayahuasca journey and experience was, you know, I've just, I feel like my soul has just gotten tired of trying to tough it through stuff, you know, because I still do it, you know, for my business, for my clientele, you know, I might be going through something really difficult and in, in, in a really bad, you know, funk or depression, but then I'll get on the phone with a client and be like, Hey, how you doing? You know, and I got to serve them because, they paid me and I have a job to do, you know, you, you're probably similar. You could get, you know, go through something really bad. And then if you have to meet with a patient or, you know, something, you've got to put on a strong face. And I think I just kind of lost touch with how to express transparently and authentically. And it just wore me down. And I just, you know, I had to like really rededicate myself to, not just being vulnerable, but just being honest with myself, with the world. And, 
wherever the chips lay and land, you know, it's the way the cookie crumbles. So, yeah, something like that recently happened to me in, in doing this practice of, of counseling where, you know, I have to be careful not to share too much in sessions just based on transference and counter-transference for both the clients and myself. And I, I went to work one day after finding out in the morning a really good friend of mine had completed suicide. And I found that, you know, going into it, I was thinking this is going to be the hardest day of counseling I've ever had. Because um, I've had friend, lost friends to suicide before. And, you know, luckily it wasn't on a day that I had back-to-back clients. Um, but this was my first experience of like going into council, uh, with a huge emotional upheaval in my life. And, you know, I wanted to, to be open about it, to be honest about it, to be vulnerable enough so people could see, you know, I'm not plastering this fake mask on that I'm super happy and, you know, um, but also not sharing too much so that it takes away from their session. Right. I don't want to go in and be like, oh, my friend just died. But let's talk about how to communicate. Right. It it (laughs) really takes away from from the session. So I found my approach was to be honest about how I was feeling and and where I was at, but also letting them know that I'm dedicated to sitting with them and and helping them in where they're at and to move forward. And a lot of my clients were, were really really open and receptive to that. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful way of approaching it, you know, and it's, that's a win-win, right? You know, a win for you, a win for your soul, a win for the client. Like, you you know, you find a way to just, yeah, just be honest. Right. And it's like, you're not trying to take away from them, but you're also not trying to take away from you. You're just like, this is the reality of the situation. I'm here. I I'm ready, but I want you to know, like, maybe I'm not a hundred percent right now, you know, but I'm giving you my all. And I think, I mean, I see it so many times with my clients in terms of what happens that leads them to me, you know, like their stories of, you know, being stuck in the corporate America machine and how, sad or miserable or overworked they are and it doesn't matter right they're afraid to to take a little bit of time off they're they're afraid to you know i had a client recently who you know hired me because you know he was 100 150 pounds overweight i mean very quote unquote successful in the business world but his health was spiraling down And he was doing great. And, you know, he's in the accounting world. So this time of year is pretty crazy. And, you know, just he can't. He was arguing against creating some boundaries with work, you know, about when to shut your email off and all this. And, you know, we had to really try to redefine what success was because in his mind, he's very successful. But, you know, I tried to challenge that and just say, well, look, you know, you're 50 and you can't decide when to go to bed because if you get an email, you have to work for five hours, you know, and it's, 
it was this challenging thing on his own part to be able to recognize like, Hey, if, if you don't get the email and you've got to tell your boss or your clients, like I was sleeping, it was 8 PM or I'm just, I'm not working like that's okay. And that's just the way the cookie crumbles. But, you know, trying to always appear on and available and ready to deliver and, and never have kind of a, you know, a, a, a red flag or a notch on your belt, you know, or a, a mistake happen or whatnot leads you to just put yourself to the back burner constantly, you know, and it's, I see it with, you know, with my clients, with their health. And it's, it's like what you just talked about. Like if you, if you chose to not be open and transparent and you just tried to power through that, I mean, by the end of that day, you're going to be a shell of yourself. And I just think it's super important to, to just be real and honest. And I think it actually does create a lot more respect with all the parties that are involved. You know, people, I hate to use the example, but it's kind of like if you, you have a dog, like you need to have, I'm the owner, you're the pet, right? These are the boundaries. There's still so much love in there, but if you don't train your dog, it's chaos, right? And I think it's the same way, like we train people on how to treat us. And I think if you can create those boundaries through just being transparent about what you think is okay and what's not okay and where your mental state is or your emotional state is and it's all done in a respectful way, they'll actually be more appreciative because they understand those boundaries and those rules because they probably want them too. But everybody's afraid to be honest. So everybody's just stuck in this whirlwind of a, you know, kind of like a make-believe space, so to speak, if that makes any sense. (laughs) No, it makes a a ton of sense. (laughs) You know, it's, it's almost like chasing an illusion. Yeah. Right. This this concept of being able to be on 100 percent of the time or, you know, my success is tied to to being near perfect in, in this one aspect of life. It is almost part of this fallacy that we perpetuate in society in, in the sense of I see it in adolescence more and more going through high school and this need to achieve and this need to have four AP classes in your senior year so that you can get in the best college to, to get in the best job and do that near perfection. And, and it's not a sustainable way of life and it's actually doing a disservice because it, it disconnects from self care and, and self love. And it's actually one of the things that I'm struggling with, with working with schools I had a, a a kid come in and she was telling me, hey, I have four AP classes next year, my senior year. I'm stressed out about it already. And I said, mm-hmm. that should be a really good sign that maybe this isn't the best course of action for you. And her yeah. her response was, oh, my guidance counselor won't let me drop any of those. I can't do it. They won't let me. And that hit me like a ton of bricks that the only reason she was doing it is because it was recommended to her and grades were really important to her. And to have someone in that position, even if it's not true, the fact that she felt that way was really true to her. Mm -hmm. 
not foster a relationship in the sense of saying, oh, this might really stress you out. Maybe we should ease back a little bit and focus on one or two that you could feel really confident in. Because even that idea of having to achieve in, in this level of life to get into a good college, that's a fallacy as well. Because even if you don't do well, guess what? You can go to community college. You can get a really great education there. And then you can go to a different school. Or you can learn a trade, right? Yeah. Or yeah, or or you can realize that like you said, like you don't you don't have to go to the great college. And what I mean, I don't know what the stat is, but what's the percentage of people that go to college for something and then don't use that directly? Oh, it's you high. Know? I don't know. I don't know what it would be, but it is definitely out there. Dude, I went to school for electrical engineering and mathematics. I'm not in that world. You know, I use that knowledge and, and the analytical skills for things. But, you know, the only reason why I am where I am now is because luckily I did not graduate with a ton of debt. You know, I, I got a bunch of scholarships, you know, and, and luckily family helped, you know, and what I did graduate with, I was able to pay off. And that's the only reason why I was ever able to quit, because by the time I quit, I had paid off all my debt. But if you graduate, I, I had I had friends that graduated, went to went to engineering. I went, you know, went to UMass Amherst. They went with me. They I had one class where I got um you know, whatever, like a 70.1 in the class, which was a C. And my friend got a 69.7, which was a C minus. That one C minus put him a year behind me, the way that they structured the requirements for, 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 for engineering. So he had to go to school an extra year. That extra year was 2008. I graduated 2009. He graduated. And that's when the whole economy popped. Right. And so my starting salary was almost twice as much as his, even though we both had the same major. And we started at the same year, but he just, you know, he maybe answered one question wrong on, on the final when I got it right. And he ended up graduating with, you know, 80 or $100,000 of debt. He's not in the same position I was. And for what, you know? It's, 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 and that's, that's a, that's a major that, I mean, you, you graduate with an electrical engineering degree, you get a job, right? It's, it's, it's very sought, sought out. And, but there's so many majors that you don't have that luxury, right? And it's different or it's difficult or they're just not high paying jobs. And you get these people who will go to school out of state, pay crazy tuition. And then by the time that they're, starting to realize what they actually want to do they're trapped and they're they're stuck on the path because now there's like this financial burden and like you said just like that girl already has this um not the financial burden but just like the the the, the accomplishment burden or the grade burden of like no I, I have to do this she just is already becoming disconnected from like her her intuitive self she knows intuitively I shouldn't be doing this, but logically, quote unquote, she, she has to. And you see that so many times where I talk to, talk to people and, you know, friends or clients or whoever, and they hate, they absolutely hate their life in the sense of like, not their, not their 
actual life, but like the, the, the life balance of work life balance that they've created. And I'm always like, well, quit your job, figure something out. And then every reason of why logically that doesn't make sense come, comes forth. Right. And I think it's because they've been trained for decades to not listen to their gut anymore. And they don't listen to that part that I think fuels the self-love and the self-awareness. They just, they just do what they're supposed to do and they'll retire when they're 65, you know? I like that. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I do feel like intuition is something that's super important to, to foster, to listen to, to, to pay attention to. But I think it, you know, a lot of times it gets associated with a holistic sense of, of practice or, or these things. Um, I know you're into, you know, meditation and, and yoga and things of these nature as, as am I. Um, but I, I think when you hear that word intuition and you're outside of that realm, you think, Oh, that's very hippie ish. We, we don't need to, to pay attention to it. I mean, intuition in the sense of listening to yourself, listening to, what your body's telling you. Um, yeah. And I think when you do that, you, you kind of create this, this sense of dis-ease inside of yourself that fosters negative thought patterns, that fosters these things that hold us back and can lead to poor life choices or can create stuck energy in our body and, and create these negative feedback loops and, and trauma responses. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, you know, I remember the first time I like heard my intuition. You know, I was, it's actually what led me to quit my engineering job. I, uh, I forget, have you, you, have you ever, do you have a motorcycle license or? No, I don't. Um, probably good. Don't, (laughs) don't get one. (laughs) Um, but so, you know, I, I, I did, and I was coming home from work on my motorcycle and you know, I, I was the typical, I mean, you, you know me from, from back in the day, but I'm an adrenaline junkie, you know? So I, I've done wheelies. I've sped far beyond a hundred miles an hour. I mean, I never, I never had a problem with it. It was fun, right? Stupid, but fun. And I came home, I was on my way, you know, coming home from my engineering job, you know, driving on 93 South in Boston. And I was shaking immediately. I got on the bike you know, quickly merge on the highway from, from my office building and my legs are shaking. My hands are shaking. I was just, my heart rate was pounding. And every time I would turn, you know, my head to look at a car, you know, check my blind spot. I would, I would out loud yell, look, look ahead. You're going to hit something. Look ahead. You're going to crash. And, you know, on a motorcycle, when you, if you're tense, like the insides of your legs start to cramp because you're squeezing the motorcycle. And, I was just, I was panicking. I I could not calm my heart. And I was going, you know, 70 miles an hour. I was just going with traffic. And finally I I said out loud, you know what? If I hit something right now, I'm okay with it. If I die right now, I'm okay with it. And I just relaxed. 30 seconds later, a metal, like a Volkswagen Beetle style bumper was in the road. I was in the fast lane. A truck was in the middle lane. The truck hit it. It spun ricocheted and the, the bumper went through my front tire and I got thrown off my bike at 70 miles an hour. Hit the ground, just tumbling. And the whole time I'm in the air, I was like, I, I can't believe it. 
I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> you know, like, why didn't I go off an exit? And, you know, I, I hit the ground, hand, elbow, shoulder, face. You know, my, my helmet was half tar. My gloves and all my jackets just burnt off my, my you know, my hand and my body. Um, and luckily, I got away injury-free. S- stupid, stupid lucky. Um, but I really think because I was relaxed it saved my life, right? Because I just, I got thrown off the bike. I, I kind of knew how to hit the ground and tumble with it, but I wasn't stiff. So I didn't slide. I didn't get road rash. You know, I didn't break anything. I tumbled left into the Jersey barrier versus right into rush hour traffic. Um, you know, it was a crazy, crazy experience because I knew something was going to happen. Like deep down intuitively, I knew something bad was about to happen and my body was reacting before my mind saw it happen. Um, and that was a Thursday and deep down, I knew I wasn't happy with my life and I wasn't happy with my job. And on Monday I quit, (laughs) right? It was just like, you know what? I, I could have lost everything. I'm not going to wait around anymore. Right? Like I'm going to start actually doing things to fulfill me. And so I just quit my job. Right. And, and I got a job. I went from having a top, you know, a, a secret level security clearance working two months out of the year in Hawaii for a top, you know, missile defense company to making nine dollars an hour as a personal trainer starting off at a gym, <laughs> you know, like it, with no health benefits or anything. Mm-hmm. And it, I think when you actually start listening to your intuition, you're surprised by what makes sense. Right. Yeah. You know, logically it didn't make sense, but in terms of my heart and my, my soul and my just energetically, it made all the sense in the world and I wouldn't be here otherwise. Right. I would probably be miserable in a a job that just didn't fulfill me, you know, 10 years later. That's so powerful. And and I, I agree with you you know, this insight that we can foster, our body is amazingly adept in, in realizing there's, if we cultivated an imbalance or, or something that's not making sense to us. And, you know, this is all nervous system reactive, right? And so yeah. your nervous system, that's its job is to filter all this information and whether it's, you know, sensory stuff or environmental stuff or or it's just like, dude, you you hate this. not happy and sometimes we do have to shut off that logic logical kind of oh but you know i can pay my bills i have this cool stuff i i have achieved and and listen to that heart soul listen to that part of your brain is like but this isn't what you want and so to go from that to to personal training is it's a huge shift. What so I've always been interested. What drew you to personal training? What was it? What was that connection for you? You know, it's again, it's so funny how things happen. So I um I ended up moving closer to work, you know, like I sold my car. I just had the motorcycle and a bicycle. Um and I I had this really convenient kind of like triangular commute you know, or, or pattern where the rock climbing gym was a mile from my house. 
a mile from the rock climbing gym was work. And then, you know, the, 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 the other two mile path home or whatever was where I food shopped. And I just did that every day. And on my path from my home to rock climbing gym, I just noticed this small, it was a tennis club, but I, I saw all these kids doing crazy, crazy workouts. And, you know, I, I was a meathead in, in high school and a meathead in college. And for whatever reason, I was like, you know, what? I really want to like up my game and, and, and like get trained by for professionals. Uh, no, no logic or reason behind it. And so I just walked in and they were like, look, this is for high school and collegiate athletes. And it's a 10 week strength and conditioning program. The guy's name was Mike Boyle, who's famous in, you know, in the functional movement screen and kind of strength and conditioning world and no clue who he was or anything about it. I remember it was a thousand dollars for a 10 week kind of group program. They were already in week two. And I was like, bro, I'm good. I'll be a better athlete than all these people. Don't worry about me. I don't think I could sit down normally for like a month. <laughs> I was so, I mean, dude, I had never known what if I, I had never foam rolled before. Right. It was so, it just blew my mind about a, how, you know, I was doing Bulgarian squats with the high school girls. Cause my balance was so bad. You know, I couldn't do pistol squats. I couldn't do anything. You know, I could deadlift and bench press and do pull-ups like that. The basics. Right. Um, so I was so blown away by how, you know, uh, almost like impractical my strength was that I really wanted to, to learn more. And I found a, a place I could go to night school to become a personal trainer. And so I was going to my engineering job full time. And then I would go, you know, five hours a night to night school to become a trainer. And it was really just for me. I just was like, yeah, maybe I'll do this on the side and I just kind of want to know how to take care of myself because my genetics is pretty bad. Every male in my family essentially dies of a heart attack. So I wanted to really make sure I was on top of my game. And I had an opportunity to take a job. You know, there was through the school, they try to do job placements and everything. And I, I wasn't really trying to pursue it because I had a great job and I knew I would just do this as a hobby. But then I quit my job and I immediately just started applying to personal training jobs and I got one, you know, and, you know, and then that didn't even work out. Right. I hated it at first. I was making, like I said, eight, nine, $10 an hour. I, it would cost me more money to commute week on a weekly basis than I was making training people. So what brought me to Philly was I was going to go to med school because I was like, that's a good balance between, helping people and making money like i'll just i'll just go to med school i'm gonna stop you um hold on i'm gonna stop you right there i have to pee and then we'll come back to <laughs> <laughs> okay all right i'm back i was super worried that like if you had airpods on i was gonna just hear you being the whole time <laughs> <laughs> no, no. i you know honestly i was considering finding a uh a container of some sort but i was like oh the microphone's gonna gonna pick that up That's a little hilarious. bit too loud so i'm not quite ready to be that vulnerable on the podcast That's <laughs> all good i appreciate that so so you went to philly because you want to go to med school yeah you know i basically was like i 
you know, I want to help people, but I also need to earn a living. Right. And I just couldn't pay my bills with, with the job that I had. And, you know, it's funny. I, I got offered two jobs as a personal trainer and I, I won't necessarily say the business names, but one was a really high end, uh, um, you know, uh, large gym, not like a studio. And the other one was like a nice small studio. And, you know, I went away from the money purposefully, you know, one of them, I could have easily made a hundred dollars an hour. The other one I was making 10 and for whatever reason, I associated a lot of my sadness around money because I picked, I picked the major that made the most out of college. I picked, you know, the job offer that offered me the most out of school. So I was always chasing money. So I was like, let me go the other way. Well, money doesn't necessarily make you happy, but being totally broke is doesn't necessarily make you happy either. And so I was like, you know what? I, I'm smart. I, I have an engineering background. I was like, let me get into like some neuro, some neuroscience, you know, stuff through, through the medical route. And I can make really good money, really have a big impact on people's lives. And it's a win-win. Um, so I ended up getting accepted into UPenn and Northeastern's um, like post-bac program. I could, you know, take a couple of the gen eds that I needed. And as long as I tested well, I'd get kind of a uh, fast track into their med school program. Oh, cool. And uh, I took one day of organic chemistry at UPenn and I dropped out. <laughs> Dude, I, I got to tell my wife that is she did. She had a forensic science uh, bachelor's and she yeah. said that was the worst class ever. You know, what's funny is it wasn't. You know, it wasn't even the class because we were just getting our beakers and like all of our lab equipment. And I just, I just realized I didn't want to pay $8,000 a class and go into debt. You know, again, I had no debt at that point. I take all this debt on and just be in school for another six years and then a residency and all this other stuff. And I was just like, you know what? I just don't know what I'm going to do, but this isn't the solution. Again, I was like, I, I'm, I'm just chasing a title, you know, like I chased the title of, you know, graduating with honors. I, gra you know, I chased the title of engineer. I chased the title of, you know, X, Y, Z. I was like, I'm just chasing the title of doctor now. Like, I just want everyone to look at me and be like, holy shit, you're, you're a doctor? Like, that's crazy, man. Like, how'd you do that? And an engineer? And so I just dropped out and I didn't know what I was going to do. I was literally writing to people who own yachts and being like, I'm, I can kind of cook. I can take photos. I'll, I'll work you out. Like I'll just, I'll do whatever. Just give me a job. I apply, you know, I applied to Alaskan, you know, the Alaskan crab fisheries and oh, stuff yeah. like that. Like I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I just kind of knew I didn't want to do what I was doing, you know? And I was like, I don't know what's the right turn, but I can feel what's the wrong turn. And I'm just going to trust myself. And I kind of just, just kind of went like a couple years of just making a bunch of decisions that didn't make sense logically, but just felt right. And it, it just all worked out. And I, I think it always does if you just trust your gut in that sense. And, and obviously work hard. You can't just just quit your job and be like, I just, I'm going to win the lottery. Like it doesn't work that way, right? Like you need to, 
put in the work and effort and grind because it was it was a long couple years but i finally found a passion you know and and when i quit ultimately what i ended up doing was i realized like look i just need to start personal training in philly to make ends meet like i just need some money while i figured out it's really easy to get a job as a trainer versus getting a job and finding a place that wants to hire an engineer right and just and and an engineering firm that meets my specialty and my interest and all that kind of stuff it's just an easy process to walk into a gym you guys need a trainer cool i'll start monday great and uh that's what i did right i just walked into a place i told them i'm I'm, i'll be your best trainer you've ever had just give me six months and they were like you seem super cocky good luck (laughs) you know and uh after six months i was the top trainer right and and i was the 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 big, the big wig, sort of speak at, at that place. But it was, it was literally only because I freaking loved it. I loved helping people and working with people and, and meeting people and just like seeing people's face light up when I came into the gym and I was able to help them and answer their questions. And it was just fun for the first time. I actually had fun working, you know, I wasn't in a cubicle and, uh, you know, in, in six months, I was the top trainer. And and, and after seven months, I quit because <laughs> it didn't feel right anymore. Um, and that's when I, I decided to start doing my own thing. And, you know, luckily, I, I haven't had a boss since. And that's kind of what sparked. Yeah, that's kind of like what sparked uh, even a deeper dive into this thing that we call, I guess, maturity. <laughs> if you can call me mature um but you know not having a boss and solely depending on yourself is such a giant life lesson you know it really is um and and the cool thing about that and one of the coolest things about your your story is how you're able to take those leaps and and they're not easy leaps by any means but what you've done with Philly Fitness is, I love it because it puts a spotlight on on what training someone and connecting with someone actually is. Right, you get, you get these ideas of what being a trainer is. Oh, you just work them out, you know, you know, whatever. But it's I feel like it's much more than that. Way more yeah. than that, right? Like to do it to do it right, and and you know, I I could be wrong here, but your philosophy is that connection much more. Yeah, you do the training, you look at, at, you know, different aspects of nutrition and exercise, but I really feel the job is that connection with people to create that relationship where they can be vulnerable because, again, that's where the change comes for them. Yeah, you know, it's – sorry, you can go. No, I, was, I was just going to say that's something that I've always picked up from you and in, in, in how you talk and how, you, you know, when you post stuff about people you train and – it's really evident that that's there and it's not just, Oh yeah, here's a client and I'm going to have you do this. And all right, see you again later. Yeah. You know, I think I just, so much of it is just luck, you know, because I didn't really have any connections in Philly when I moved there, you know, um, you know, there, there was one person you might, do you know, Anthony Brigenti? Yeah. You know, he, he lived there and he was my roommate for a while, but that was really the, my, my only real big connection. And, 
you know, he had his own job and his own life. So, you know, it didn't, I, I didn't just piggyback on his social circle. So when I was at the gym, I didn't know anybody. And really quickly, like as I'd get a client, you know, I would, I would become fascinated by them and, you know, obviously like the, the gossip around the gym and then the town and, oh, hey, you definitely got to go, you got to go to this place. You don't, oh, you don't know where to go. Like go to this bar. My friend owns it. And, you know, I always wanted to make a, some kind of like spider web map to be like, here's the first person I treat and here's all the connections that I made from them, you know, because it was amazing. I mean, I went from, you know, training the, you know, the, the installer of Comcast equipment, right. To the person responsible, responsible for building the new Comcast tower in Philly, you know, and neither, what I loved about the gym was someone's, uh, corporate status or bank account does not transfer to the gym. Right. And I would, I would have clients who had Ferraris who were jealous of the person that had to bike everywhere because of their physical capability. But then I see the person who bikes everywhere, jealous of the person with the Ferrari when they go outside. Right. And it was just this, I just recognized the gym was just this level playing field. It doesn't matter what you do outside the gym's the gym. And What's funny is when I first started training people, my, I didn't put a lot of effort into helping them in like a holistic fashion. I had a real interest for their story and I just, I enjoyed the conversation, but I was just, they totally kick their butt because that's like all I really knew. And I was like, if I almost make them puke or maybe make them puke, I'm helping them. And it wasn't after thousands of sessions and hundreds of poor victims that I started to recognize like, Oh man, like I can kick someone's butt in the gym, but if their nutrition isn't spot on, they're not going to get the results. Right. And then that hurts my, you know, my reputation because they're not getting results. So then I was like, well, I need to really focus on nutrition too. And then I started recognizing, man, even if I tell them all the right stuff with nutrition, if, if all their emotional stuff and all their emotional triggers and mental, you know, roadblocks and, and, and disempowering beliefs and all the stress from work, all these other things are, you know, overriding what I'm telling them to do nutritionally, which then overrides all the stuff that I'm trying to get, you know, uh, the exercise to accomplish for them. So I quickly started to realize, man, if I really want to change someone's life, I need to like dive really deep into, into getting to know them and helping them overcome the things that they're basically not allowed to talk about, right. On a daily basis. And, you know, you really become kind of an unlicensed therapist (laughs) in that sense, because, you know, I become like their, their biggest confidant when it comes to the stresses in their life. And then I have to work them through it to, to try to empower them to not only overcome it, but to be able to see it differently and, and, and not let it completely overpower their life. Right. And even just recently, I kind of recognize, you know, there's, there's three areas where everyone puts their, their energy and attention, right? There's their legacy, which is typically work. 
there's longevity, which is their health. And then there's like the love, which is their, you know, family and friendships. And what I started to really realize is like people will totally burn out with legacy, right? With their work, but then they'll create like this vice that a, to, to solve the pain that work is causing them. So they'll have this vice, let's just say it's pizza and they're having the pizza to try to feel better about how their boss has treated them like crap or they hate their job or their commute or whatever. But it obviously doesn't solve that. And all it actually does is then create another pain point because now it affects their health negatively. Right. And, and, or I see it in other ways where they'll, they'll skip out on the love in their life with their relationships with their spouse or kids or whatever, because they're just trying to make a ton of money. And so now all of a sudden they're going through a divorce, which adds to the pain and all these things. And so I just, I started to recognize I needed to be able to help people find the proper balances, but also address the things that bother them, but keep it within the same category. You know, like let, okay, work is stressing you out. Let's find a way to alleviate that without ruining your health. All right. Without ruining your relationship, you know, but doing it in a way that also doesn't disempower your desire to create a, a really powerful business or whatever it may be. Um, and it just, again, it, it just through my journey, I just started to recognize like how powerful that, that intuition is and that emotional awareness and the, self-awareness and self-love is and it's because it's so lacking people get stuck in this logical pattern of like work 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 legacy 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 and they just put everything else a back burner and then i've just witnessed how that really affects them and then they end up coming to me because they've hit some rock bottom you know and i think if you can find that real true balance and not push so heavy into one category um yeah, you can, you can actually quote unquote have it all, you know, you can have the really successful job and relationship and, and, and be in shape and have control of your health and be happy. And so it was like this beautiful mix of taking all of my mistakes and pain points and kind of starting to see it in what my clients were dealing with. And then just taking my engineering analytical things and being like, well, what's really causing you to be overweight right now you know what to do you're disciplined because you have a you're very successful in your work career you know you have all these skills but for some reason it's not being applied to your health and then through all that digging i just started realizing the way to really help people is a much more holistic approach than how i initially started which was just like a meathead mentality I wish my video was working right now because you would see me like dancing around trying to be quiet with it because I wanted you to finish finish what you were saying because it was, it was so good, but also like <laughs> cheering you on at the same time because that is what it is. You know, yeah. the, to speak about the first piece about equality in the gym, that really like there's a connection there that I feel like societally wise – Societally, <laughs> society-wise, <laughs> I'll take it. Um, I'll take it. We can really learn from that sense of community, and yes, maybe jealousy, but also equal playing fields in, in different settings, and, and creating these these parts where people can come 
and and rub elbows with people maybe they wouldn't usually rub elbows with but also have this mutual respect in a way that that wouldn't happen if you see them walking down the street together right yeah you know it's such a funny thing like i have so many clients who um you know tell me i'm you know i'm just not you know i'm just worried about going on vacation because i've been getting such good results but i'm just not disciplined you know and then i'm like wait a minute you you started from scratch and have a hundred million dollar company how are you not disciplined you know and it, it but it's 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 like they forget that the person that is so successful is still them and even though there's a version of them that's not successful when it comes to their health it's the same person right and sometimes you just have to let them remember that and then they can take that successful version or self-image of themselves and just apply that to a different area of their life and sometimes just people just forget that you know and they're so used to beating themselves up because they want to be perfect because they're comparing because they are comparing their you know step one to someone's step thousand you know and it's 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 easy for people to lose sight of that and and again just like we don't talk about things emotionally, you know, the CEO of a company, you know, or the lawyer or the stay at home mom or whatever, a lot of times they don't want to admit like, man, I'm really afraid to go to the gym. I don't know what to do. And it's really intimidating, you know, and it's giving people that space, people to, to recognize that and then recognize that everyone feels that I feel that times when I go to gyms, you know, and I think it's just, again, opening up the door for people to be transparent, even though it comes off as them being vulnerable and, and, and admitting their weaknesses, it really just empowers them. I agree, man. And, and I really, you know, I think it works that way. It works in any kind of facet. If, if we can break things down for people who have some success, even if it's, something that they don't necessarily consider an amazing success, but even if they're a champion yo-yoer, right? Yeah. That same kind of mentality can be applied to the gym or, or applied to love or, you know, success in building something, a, a business or whatever it is they want to do. Like the, you get to this level from being dedicated to something and you just have sometimes i feel like half the work is breaking it down for them so they can see that and then they yeah. do amazing things with it yeah a hundred percent i think it's really important for people to recognize the the version of themselves that they're trying to create already exists and it just exists somewhere that they they they're most likely taking for granted you know and if they can find that and see that and and start actually believe that's them and have that self-image of oh i am super disciplined and dedicated and smart and intelligent then okay apply that to business apply that to relationships and you know if you're super confident about your whatever your ability to play Fortnite, then but you're you know really intimidated by the gym or by girls or boys or whatever like realize there is a version of you that is super confident and skilled and talented and up to. So just find that version of yourself and just figure out a way to apply that to this different area of your life. And it's, it's obviously 
easier said than done, but it's a hundred percent possible. And I think it's about allowing yourself to be yourself in that new, new vein. You know, yeah. there's, there's that saying fake it until you make it, which I've always had an issue with because I don't necessarily think it's faking it. I think you have that ability. It's, it's, you get stuck by not allowing yourself to, to do it. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost not fake it till you make it. It's, uh, it's like, believe it until it's fact. Like if you believe you're going to be successful, like I knew I was going to be, you know, the number one trainer in Philadelphia. I just knew it. And I, I was not going to stop until it was a fact. And then, you know, I became the most sought out trainer to the point where I, I had to create a team beneath me to, to, su- to support the demand, you know, and if, if I never believed that was possible, I never would have achieved it, right. you know, so you, you have to be able to envision it and not just see it and not just say it, but you have to actually believe that it's going to happen you know and again just like i had a similar experience on this ayahuasca journey where you know i i i kind of asked the spirits and i asked the plant medicine to help me not believe in love but know love is a fact you know because for me even though i've been surrounded by people i've always had to battle with anxiety and depression and feeling very lonely and I was like, you know, what? I believe in love and I believe I love my wife, I love my friends and my family. I just didn't know it as a fact. Like it wasn't in my bones. You know, I don't have to believe in gravity. It's just a fact. Unless you're a flat earther, <laughs> right? Which I won't get into. But, you know, it's just a fact that if I let go of something, it falls. I don't have to believe in it. And I wanted to know love and happiness as a fact and that was really what i i saw i i wanted to learn from my experience and i and i did you know and it's and it's really helped so much you know from my relationship with my wife to you know my focus on creating a new business to you know just this experience of living in a van i mean it's it's reshaped so many things but i think it does come from just being able to to trust the process but like actually approach things from love even if it's just loving yourself and knowing like you know what even if i fail i'm still me right and i'm not attached to my self-worth isn't attached to the outcome right? like i'm still me and you know what's that dr seuss saying like those who matter won't mind and those mind don't matter Right. And it's kind of similar where it's like, you know what, you're what's the worst thing that happens? The girl says no to a date, you know, a second date or, you know, you you, you post something on Facebook and no one no one buys it or, you know, whatever. Right. That's not the end of your story. But I think a lot of times what happens because we're ingrained just like that, that client of yours or the patient of yours to be perfect when we get a taste of it. Right. When you're successful in some way, shape or form, that becomes our baseline for what we can what we can handle and accept. Right. So you're if you're the super powerful CEO or um, 
you know, the best Fortnite player in the world. When you go to try to start something new, you, you suck. And sometimes like you forgot what it's like to suck at something. And that's super, super hard. And I think it's really important for us to constantly try to pursue things that are new to us so we can remember what it's like to be bad and remember the process of what it took to get good or great. Exactly. I feel like we could go on forever. So um, probably <laughs> <laughs> well, we might have to have a, a second part to this eventually. Um, yeah. So I'll, I, do, you, do a, I'll do a whole one about the, the ayahuasca journey. Huh? All right, let's do it. Um, yeah, that would be really cool. I, I do have some questions about that, but I, I do want to honor, you know, that the listeners have stuff to do <laughs> and totally. you and I could probably talk hours about this and, and Goku and how terrible he was <laughs> as a dad and Piccolo is a much better dad to Gohan than Goku is. Whatever. Go, Gohan's a bad fighter. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to finish up with two questions for you. I end sure. a podcast with this, um, simple question so i'll say them together and you can pick how you want to answer them so the first question is if you could have any superpower what would it be and why and the second question is what do you think your superpower is oh man i'm on the spot now so i'll start with the latter i think my superpower and i'll see what my wife's face is to see if she uh approves or not but i think it's my ability to oh crap i don't know probably probably connect you know both in the sense of like my ability to connect with people but also connect others to each other you know and i've kind of always thought of myself as like the center of the spider web where everything is everything is connected through me in one way shape or form and i take a lot of pride in being able to be you know, introduce people to each other and just be like, you know, go have a great life or, you know, create a business or talk to each other or whatever, or just being able to be the person that really connects with someone immediately because I can relate to their story and have empathy and sympathy with them. Um, I think that's what really separated me as a trainer, but also why my wife fell in love with me so fast, you know, to, you know, why, I mean, we haven't talked to each other since high school, right? Well, 15 years, but it's like nothing, nothing changed. And then, uh, if I could have any superpower, I mean, turning super Saiyan would be pretty awesome, (laughs) but I've always tried in my dreams and it never works. Um, I think I would want to be able to control time. I think I would like that to be a power. It's a good one. Yeah, I don't know how I would use it, but I think it'd be cool to almost like a uh, Doctor Strange, right? Where he'd mm-hmm. be able to like see all the alternative possibilities and everything like that. I think my mind tries to do that. <laughs> Paralyzing. So if I could actually do it, I think it would open me up for a lot a lot of more enjoyment out of life. Nice. I like it. All right. So, so Perry, any last, um, nuggets of, of thoughts to, that sounds weird. Nuggets of thoughts. Uh, (laughs) any last comments to the listeners that you really want to depart with? You know, I was, I was writing something 
yesterday um, and, and it really resonated with me, but basically it was, um, you know, later never comes except when it does now is too late. And kind of the idea of just, we always put things off because we have the illusion that we have time and then something usually happens where then we realize, oh crap, I don't have time and I should have done this earlier. Whether it's our health, whether it's finding happiness, whether it's telling someone that we love them or forgiving someone or whatever. So I would just really push people to listen to your gut. And if something's telling you you should do it, just do it. And don't don't overthink it and don't get stuck analyzing it because by the time you run through every possibility, it's too right and you might have missed a chance to, to have an impact on someone else's life or your own life. Sage words, man. I, I love it. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. I'm honored to have you on here and, and have you tell a little bit of your story, which we'll be more into uh, next time. Yeah, around. dude, it was a pleasure. Um, it was a pleasure. Absolutely. Any Anytime. Just, just hit me up and we'll do this again. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be on the podcast, please outreach to us at info at the Promethean Project.org. If you want to learn more about the Promethean Project or if you would like to donate to our cause, you can reach us at the Promethean Project.org. If you really do enjoy this podcast, please share with your friends. Please like our posts on social media and Instagram and on Facebook. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or any podcast app that you like to listen to. Again, thank you for taking a listen. And remember that the most important step is always the next one.